of the Black in Fashion podcast. Today I am joined with Zen. Zen, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm actually very happy that we got a chance to get on the podcast so that way we can discuss like your background, your journey, everything that you've been a part of. Uh, Zen um, has a um, retail business that supports independent brands. And, you know, we are definitely in the wave of making sure that we continuously, continuously, you know, you know, support black businesses, support black brands, and just make sure that that visibility is shining through, especially when it comes to the fashion industry. So, of course, we can start any episode without acknowledging our sponsors. Um, this episode is sponsored by Kira Kinks. Kira Kinks is a hair rejuvenation oil that helps spirit, uh healthy hair growth, decreased split ends, and breakage. The aroma is divine and your scalp will shine. She offers hair butters, hair oils, uh, detangling brushes, everything you name. Black owned and based in Chicago. Of course, we have the Assembly Line. The Assembly Line is a full service fashion consulting firm that focuses on cultivating and developing emerging talent by providing resources and guidance on all fronts. They provide various services including project management, brand building, creative services, product development, and all around consulting to build new brands and elevate established fashion businesses. Their mission is to empower entrepreneurs at any stage of their business and is here to help build your brand from concept to consumer and everything in between. So Zen, of course, I like to start with a little icebreaker. I like my this or that game. So I'm going to name out a couple of things and I just want you to say which one you prefer over the other. Cool? Okay. Are you a beret or a brim girl? Oh, beret. Beret. Are you a wide leg or a skinny leg girl? Ooh, a wide leg. <laughs> a wide leg. Um, <laughs> I always like to go daring. You a side boob or under boob girl? You said a sad boob? Side boob or under boob? Oh. oh. Either or I'm a wife boob. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. And are you a, a stiletto girl or a mule girl? Stiletto. Stiletto. Nice, nice, nice. So if you want to just start out by telling us like a little bit about your background, you know, where you're from, your inspiration, and um, just like, um, you know, where you went to school, what inspired you to pursue a career in, you know, brand building and supporting brands? Yeah, so let me just sum up just my life just real quick. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so as being the founder and CEO of Fason de Bees, um, my journey really started me just realizing, like, trying to figure out what I love to do after high school. So um, after high school, I actually wanted to pursue becoming a nurse. And that changed as I started realizing that everyone was just complimenting me on the things that I purchase, the things that I buy. And then I was just curious on like, okay, what is something that I love to do, which is shopping? And what is something I spend my money on, which is shopping? And what is another thing that people actually give me compliments on, which is the items that I pick? So I started being a little curious on like how to become a buyer and how to open a retail store. Um, so that curiosity while I was doing like internships, you know, in the medical field and started doing phlebotomy, got a great job, uh, working in a nursing field 
I decided to take another leap, uh, well, a leap of faith and follow my gut. So uh, the, the, the way it fell in my path was that my, my brother had a friend that was doing T-shirts and he had a store, but he was literally just worrying about his craft. That's what a lot of, you know, brands, the makers, they just want to focus on designing. So he was focusing on designing and then I decided to just, hey, um, my brother introduced us and I was he asked me, can I help with the aesthetics? Hmm. So I was like, hey, yeah, I can help with the aesthetics of your so store. Like the visual merchandising of the store? Yes, oh, the visual the merchandising. Gotcha. The visual, yes. the interior. And okay. Yes, and the interior of the store. So, yeah, so I helped with the interior and then just, you know, like displayed everything correctly from all his T-shirts, color coordinated and stuff like that. And then so he was like, oh, we should partner up. And I did start like my buying journey, but I wasn't like really doing it as in full blown capacity. So I collaborated with him. And from there, I opened up like two years after I opened up my own brick and mortar store. And, um, and since then, like I had quit my job and then I was just like, let me just put my whole passion into becoming a buyer Mm -hmm. in the retail industry. Yes. Gotcha. That's nice. Okay. I like that. So (laughs) what do you feel is, um, something that like a misconception when it comes to buying, like, what is something that you feel that maybe you've learned along the way that, you know, initially jumping into the career that you had no eye no idea that entailed? I know um, just from previous interviews and speaking to people, they don't realize how much math is involved. And <laughs> oh, yes. The numbers is very, very important. And then when you're working with independent brands, the numbers is totally different from just like mass production Mm -hmm. and fast fashion right so I had to learn a lot about just how to display every brand that we carry in one location and and also communicating with independent brands like you have to have like a, a price point that a buyer could purchase and also make profit as well so throughout my journey i noticed a lot of minority brands was designers and makers but they wasn't playing the other side which is wholesale like knowing your wholesale numbers so you can pitch to a buyer to carry your line in a store and I also realized there's not a lot of black buyers in the bigger marketplaces. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had more buyers at the table, we would have more black-owned brands in other stores mm-hmm. because it's a black-owned buyer just actually pitching that to a store and to make that decision. Like, we we need this product in our store. This is our target audience. This fits our audience. This is our why. We need to carry this product. And this is their price point. Gotcha. So I did learn about that, like, as in the buyers in the marketplace, as in the buyers that's, that's part of these big retail stores. That's why we don't have a lot of um, shelf space for minority brands because there's not a lot of buyers at the table. Gotcha. Now, um, just from coming from like that PD world, like that product development, corporate world and stuff like that, what I've seen is that buyers always try to turn into designers. So I feel like they Mm. do know the trends. They know what should be on the store, like should be on the sales floor and all that other good jazz. But it's like, you know, does it take away from the creativity of the designer if the buyer is initiating what needs to be created? Yes. And I totally agree because I went, in that route too. 
<laughs> you did. <laughs> I went in that route because because it was certain things I wasn't seeing in the marketplace. Okay. And I was like, oh, I want to make a certain jacket for our store with this certain print. So I did go through that journey, and I still make little stuff, mm-hmm. but. I didn't really want to focus on two hats as the buyer and also a maker, but I understand why buyers end up doing that because if they don't see a brand making it in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. they actually want to design it. And then they probably want to design it just because they know their brand, their company, um, and just want to design based off of what they're not seeing. Gotcha. Do you think it's okay for them to initiate it to a designer? Because I've seen buyers straight up just tell a designer, nah, you need to redesign this. You need to do this instead and pretty much take over. Like, have you ever seen that happen where, especially in corporate companies, because I, you know, like I said, I came from that product development world. I would be in a meeting with a buyer and the design team would pretty much present all of, you know, what they thought were the trends and what they were going to create and blah, blah, blah. And then literally have a buyer like rip them to shreds. Like, nope, this needs to be like this sleeve needs to be longer it needs to be this print it needs to have this and it's just like well damn that completely takes away from the designer do you have you ever seen that or when does anything happen like that because to me it would be a shot at my you know my ego you know and my self-esteem if somebody like you know I spent days and days presenting this and then you just basically come in here and be like nah this is what I want at the end of the day, I feel as though, like, as in, as a buyer, we study and what's out there, what's the trend and what's not too trendy and what's best to actually make a profit, mm-hmm. to actually sell, right? So, yes, I experienced that being in, like, meetings, too, with other buyers just going through, like, a New York, like, um, like show or whatever, um, as in a buy-in show. And they would have, like, a runway type of thing and then, mm-hmm. like, have a consultation with the company that wants to carry your brand. And we would sit there. And, yeah, I'm guilty of it. Like, uh, um, this is a trend to plan. I feel as though you should have a pocket on the top corner. I feel as though it should be cut this way. Due to knowing what my customers like to and what's in the marketplace and what's not to be too trendy. Like, oh, this is too trendy. That their plaid is is in every like like catalog, commercial and things like that. So it's just a balance. It's like, yes, we could give our critique, like, you know, criticism of like, this is what we want, but this is where it comes down to the brand owner sticking to your designs. Gotcha. It's because at the end of the day, you we as a buyer is selling your product. So if you don't like that how we as a buyer are giving you feedback of what will sell best for us because your product is going to be the one that's out there and that's where we're going to be selling it and if you don't like that part of your collection mm-hmm. just stand your ground be like no like no you know, I'm not doing that my brand. yeah like I'm not doing that like this is my brand and sometimes people do make those adjustments knowing the fact they're in this business to actually make money and not just for fun gotcha okay so tell me this. Have you been to Magic? Yes, I have. Okay. So tell me how a a buyer, a new store owner, a new boutique owner, what are some of the tips that you can give to be prepared for that? Because I know that, I mean, I've been, of course, so the show is massive. It's a lot of things to see, to yeah. do. Like, it's just a lot. How would you tell a new person that's working, you know, whether to, you know, doing online or stocking their own boutiques, what would be some of your tips for attending like a trunk show? Well, not a trunk show, a trade show like Magic and do you have any instances where you feel that there's certain ones that people shouldn't attend, they should attend? And I just want to kind of know about, like, what you feel about that world, that trade that trade show world. 
Well, um, so since I started the journey based off of curiosity, it was like doing my homework, right? Like, so I started off before magic and going to the New York, um, New York shows. I started off going to local events, right? So I used to always like do my own research and you should do your own research too. Like knowing all the brands that's going to be in magic go into their social media. Well, before, like, now it's so much easier. When I started in 2012, like, it was Snapchat. Was it? No, not Snapchat. Um, Whatever that, was it? No, not Snapchat. Whatever that um, platform was. Um, MySpace, MySpace and stuff like that. But now it's so much easier for you to actually find the brands that um, resonate with your company and look at their social media, look at their website, look at their price points and make a list of the brands that you want to make sure you target. Cause it can be overwhelming. You see all of these vendors, I mean, all these brands set up and you're mm-hmm. like, Ooh, Ooh, I want this. I want that. I want this. But knowing which ones you actually want to approach mm-hmm. and, and making sure when you're there, just like networking, you speak into the right person, the right brands, and then everybody else, you could grab their information. But you have to be prepared, just like networking. Who do you want to speak to when you're in the room? What brands do you want for your company? Because it's very, very overwhelming. Um, and I'm the type of person, like a kid in a candy store, like, oh, I want this, this, this brand. Oh, I love this blazer. Oh, my God. But I still have to be focused when I go to those shows and have a list of people that um, that I did my homework and research on. Gotcha. And then what, I guess when you're there, um, do you feel like you got to have your negotiation hat on? Or, like, should you not always take, like, the, you know, the first offer? Like, how do you feel this go? Like, how it should work when you're working with, um, you know, the sellers and the brands that are there? Well, my thing is, during that time, it's hard to negotiate. Because brands is literally passing out their line sheet. Like, they're already set up. It's like, here go my line sheet. Like, I know my wholesale and retail prices. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, here go my line sheet. They did their number crunching already. And then when you actually ready to make a purchase, sometimes you make a purchase right there on the spot. Mm -hmm. Because you did some of your homework already, knowing their price points and stuff like that. So, you purchase right in the spot. But if you're doing a follow-up, that's when the email negotiation happened. Like if I buy this certain amount of quantity, would the price change? If, um, yeah, usually prices change due to quantity base, like how many, the how many products that the um, the buyer is gonna purchase. And most likely the brands do negotiate that. Most likely is like more. The more you buy, gotcha. the, the the easier is to negotiate like the wholesale price. But when you go to those shows, literally, it is a line sheet that's already presented. And if it is a brand that is there new, that show automatically make them have a line sheet so they could pass out. Like, you know, it's like their promotion and everything. Gotcha. Well, what are your, I guess, your thoughts and your feedback when it comes to, um, I guess terms are. Do you think that um, as a buyer that there should be you know fifty percent down or should it be you know COD or what do you what have I guess you experienced in the past that has worked really great for you? Um, and it's different levels. Mm-hmm. So we work with um, brands 
that's already well established like i'm just gonna throw like just a brand people know it's free people right Mm -hmm. and then we we work with like brands that's already established so negotiation is really quantity wise um we work with brands that that is still established but they're they're still figuring out their wholesale retail um they still figuring out their wholesale price because Mm -hmm. they're so used to selling um, direct to um, consumer mm-hmm. and they haven't did the wholesale side. So sometimes we and my company actually provide a consultation, like how much we will pay wholesale to also not um, compete with your retail price. So depending on the brand level where they at, um, but negotiation always happen regardless a bigger brand. If we need more quantities, we are negotiating a mid-sized middle brand. That's like in a few stores, like 10 stores or whatever. They have a line sheet and some certain designs. It is, um, negotiable. And, um, let me see what else it's, it's really with the brands knowing their wholesale price mm-hmm. and their retail price, because as a buyer, we not trying to figure that out. We just want to make sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, seriously, I'm like, oh, please have your line sheet because it's easier for me. And then if you don't, I am so open to teaching, especially our people, um, just how to get your product in retail stores, how to be correct. Because when you drop off your advertisement, buyers just want to know the numbers gotcha. and they want to see the merchandise. So I just want to know what's going on. <laughs> so <laughs> as we move into the second segment of our podcast, we have to acknowledge another one of our sponsors um, at J&J Legal. They help fashion designers and entrepreneurs build their brands, protect their creativity, and secure their legacy. They offer legal services and trademarks, copywriting, business information, business formation, and contract drafting and revising. You can book a free minute discovery call with them to Today and start to get your fashion empire on the right track sooner than too late. You can visit them at www.jnjlegalservice.com and follow them on Instagram at jnjlegal on Instagram. So I want to get a little bit into, um, I don't want to butcher it. Is this Faison de Vue? Am I saying that right? Oh, Fasson DV. Yes. Fasson DV. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yes. Fasson DV. And it means lifestyle in Haitian gotcha. Creole. Got it. Okay. So I, let's talk. I just want to talk a little bit about, like, I know it supports, like, emerging and, like, minority-owned brands and stuff like that. But, like, uh, what was your, I guess, like, your inspiration behind finding this and, like, and, you know, and creating the mission behind this? Well, one, I always say you know your culture better than anyone, right? Like, I'm black first, okay? Right. (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) I hear that. (laughs) Like, I'm black, black. Um, So, so, um, to be honest, when we first started off, I was just trying to figure out me as a person, as a CEO, you know, me Mm -hmm. as a person and what I bring to the marketplace. Like, what is my why? What is my why? Mm -hmm. And, And knowing a buyer is the one that makes the decision on what's on the shelf space when you walk into a store. Right. So I was like, okay, we have some dope black owned brands. And I was raised like that anyways, because I came from a family business. Mm-hmm. So coming from a family business and a family business that's in, that import and export from Africa, Haiti and things like that. I just already had that in my bloodline. Like, black always like i have a black panther kind of father mother girl Um, i'm with you on that girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it wasn't nothing like uh, like a little trendy mission it was just Mm -hmm. like 
this is just my lifestyle. And when I went to Haiti and I rebranded like three years, I would say about to be three years and, and changed it to Fasson Aviv, I knew the whole, the, um, the history of Haiti as in the independence and their marketplace crashing down, which mm -hmm. was giving economic stability for their country. And I was like, oh, snaps. Fason de vive. It means mm -hmm. lifestyle. The people that shop us is conscious consumers that understand the importance of like buying from a local mm -hmm. and supporting a minority. Listen, if I could get a toothbrush from a black owned brand, why not? Right. I it mean, it's works. a it's a central that we use all the time. So why not get a black owned toothbrush? It's not like we buying something out of the norm. It's just a black owned t-shirt. Why not? Right. I mean, and it's supporting economics. That person is actually feeding that woman that's making that candle is feeding her children and family. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, me as an independent brand myself, it was like, okay, I want the customers to support me, but it's not even about us. It's about the brands that we carry because as a buyer, I'm buying from them. Mm -hmm. And then the customer is buying from them. And it's just a full circle of the economics. You know, full circle. I feel it. And that's just, I, I, was, I was just about to ask you about how important you felt like it was, you know, for my own fashion brands and retailers to produce and selling products. And you pretty much. And we picked the cotton too, girl. Right. We exactly. I feel like cotton. all cotton need to be free for us anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I should never have to pay for a cotton t-shirt. No my, fabric. Ever. Ever. Fabric. Ever. Like if it's cotton, I want it for free. Where's my 40 and acres listen, and we my mule? I want my 40 acres and my mule. That's exactly. what I want. <laughs> Build my factory on my acres, okay? Thanks. That is so funny. Um, so how has it been, like, building a business, like, you know, in a in in COVID, too? Like, just this past year and, like, all the different things that has happened in the world. Like, how has it been, you know, for you? How has your journey, you know, been? It's making me go harder. Mm -hmm. I am going to be honest. Um, if you get distracted by the outside world, it's, always going to be like something that affects your company like um when we was in one location we had to close down due to construction they didn't want to negotiate um how they stop ourselves right mm -hmm. so so it's like i've been in business for eight years now it's like certain things that happen financially emotionally personal life business life mm -hmm. it's like you have to have like a tough skin like i'm still in this like i'm not getting a job I am still in this. I don't know what other job I will be doing. This is my job. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to show up every day. So when COVID came, it did affect us. Like, it affected us with cash flow. Mm -hmm. It affected us with employment. It affected us from actually buying what we need to buy to cover our square footage space, our 3,000 square foot space. Mm -hmm. But during the pandemic, we opened up our new location, a 3,000 square foot space. That's that the one in Center City? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a I was just about week. to ask you about that too. I'm like, so how is this new flagship in Center City? <laughs> oh wow. My thing is I like of course traffic and then the world shutting down. We sell clothes. It was a hundred percent of like well, I would say 90% of the merchandise. And then I had to change the way I was buying, even with the fashion, the clothes, the clothes part, because we carry women's clothing, clothes, men's clothes, clothing, which is currently new three months, beauty and wellness products, accessories and house and home. So we added to our collection 
due to the fact that COVID too, like, okay, we have more candles because everybody's home. Mm-hmm. We have more beauty um, skincare products because everybody home. Um, our wardrobe changed because people was home. So we giving them loungewear. We giving them chill, go to the supermarket, but you can still be cute type of um, outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I had to change the way I was buying, but um, it made me just adjust. Mm-hmm. It like adjust to the environment. Um, I I had I had to adjust, and we still wanted a retail experience. We after leaving one location to a studio, I wasn't comfortable just in a studio, just strictly online. I was like, oh, nobody sees us. Right. Nobody see none of this. Like none of the things that we're doing. We get more people know to like seeing us in a street level or in the mall level, and. That helps with marketing. So when this opportunity came, which was in my vision on my vision board two years before this happened, mm. I was like, if I open a new location, it's just gonna be in the fashion district when they, when they open. That's the only location on Walnut Street. And the opportunity came, and I was like, that's just a sign from God. It doesn't matter when the opportunity comes; it's really when you're gonna jump in on the opportunity. Because like my father always say, if you're not in the ring fighting, mm-hmm. you're not you're not in the game. You're just not in the game. You on the sideline. Mm-hmm. So I was like, when the opportunity came, I was like, you know what? Let me get some grant money to open my store. Right. Since this pandemic happened. And I'll be real honest. When it is your passion and you're, you know, and you want to manifest this and this is your vision and you know all the work that you put into it, mm-hmm. it's going to happen how it's supposed to happen. And you got to ask for more. This is the biggest square footage I ever managed. This is the adding new people onto our team because we have we need we we need more hands on. And it really didn't slow me down. It made me work a little harder. Yes, mm-hmm. cash flow slowed down, but my team is much more important because if when I have my foundation like solid, when the world opened back up, we ready for the let out. Right. That's it. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to send you a um I'm gonna send you an email with my I make handbags. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, um I sure will, girl. I'm gonna send you uh just like all of mine. I'm gonna send you a link. Yes. You tell me because I, I have yes. right now a lot of my stuff is in um Chicago. My mother okay. is my distribution manager, so nice. she has a lot of my stuff online. But I think people need to see, like, you know, see their products. I make all my uh, leathers and suede and stuff like that are all from Italy. They're all lined with 100% silk. They're made right here in, you know, New York. You know, I so nice. I, like, they're really, really good. And I've been working on, like, my visibility um, because I'm so focused on, like, you know, the teaching and the mentoring. And um, I have a... I have a, wait, did you know, do you know I have, L, I have LCP? Yeah, because you've listened to them. So LC Apparel <laughs> Consultant, I'm like, I got a whole team, and I don't feel like I put enough time and attention, like, into my own brand. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to get there. Yeah. But I'm definitely, yeah, I, feel like, I definitely got some stuff, yeah, that sticks with you. And uh, City Center, that's just, like, like is in, like, in the heart of Philly? Um, so the fashion district, uh, one, it was the old gallery. If you're from Philadelphia, you remember it as the old gallery. When I used to be a teenager, mm-hmm. I used to come down here and shop, but, um, it is in center city, 901 market street. It isn't, um, like the center city, um, around the corner from like, you know, like the main, like tourists. Gotcha. Um, and we just next to like bigger brands and that actually helps with marketing. Like, yeah. when somebody come and shop Nike, they see us. And they when somebody come, on come in. and shop. It exactly. definitely helps with, dog, with your foot traffic, for sure. It helps with foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Because before, I had 
you know, just street level, of mm-hmm. course, around other boutiques. But we were, and I no longer say boutique no more because I have the same square footage as Express. I'm like, nope, we're going to call ourselves a store, okay? I'm a brick and mortar. <laughs> I'm a retailer. Like, that's what it is. Yes. Like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yes, like, if I'm paying this rent, listen, let's change the title. <laughs> right, facts. So I have another segment. It's called It's a Success, It's a Disaster. Um, I want you to tell me about a time, like, within your business where you may have made a mistake or, like, something like completely went to shit like it was all fucked up and then but you learned something from the experience and it made you like a better business owner and this segment is brought to you by the brownstone experience the brownstone experience is a wellness fashion and beauty experience inside of the black woman community they are currently sourcing black owned designers to add to their monthly collections they are open to building creative partnerships with black owned product brands we understand um the old retail model does not work for both parties and they are ready to create a new and innovative approach to meet clients so definitely guys check out um shopbrownstone.com slash black and fashion so tell us and i'm trying to connect y'all because we all intertwine this is another black woman uh that is located in texas she's in dallas and she's doing some way like the market space and like what you're doing just trying to you know bring the black creative stuff together so i hope that everybody just intertwines Yes. Like my yes. other sponsor is a, you know, it's a black girl. She's a lawyer. She's a fashion lawyer. So she makes sure the contracts, everything is on point, trademarks, everything, you know. So I don't have to search her. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything that's what I'm trying to come too. together. Legal yeah. Documents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And she's great. And she can do, you can do retainers with her, everything. So I just hope to connect everybody. So tell me about right. a time where something was like, you know, it went to hell and you had to, you learned something and you incorporated something new in your business. Um, Just recently. Just recently, as in the hype of the opportunity, mm-hmm. and I should have renegotiated. I should have negotiated my rent from the beginning. Okay. Um, and during this pandemic, I just went with like, okay, we take it instead of really looking at the numbers. But um, let's see. I really don't have like a dramatic story. I would just say learning curves always happen because when you dealing with the financial side of your company, like you still the financial person, like you, you don't have a CFO, like now I just got one, but you know, just doing your own bookkeeping and things like that, you start seeing it's like, Oh, I should have just made this decision with the money that I had instead of this decision. But I honestly, wow, that's a great question. Cause I wouldn't say I had nothing that was so dramatic as in, Losing funds. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like I usually. Hmm, I don't. Dad, I'm sorry. But- no, it's okay. I mean, that's actually a good thing because you'd be surprised how many disaster stories that came across here. So it's a good thing that you know. Well, when we had, you know what? To be honest, let me not say that when we had to close down our second store due to the fact that construction came, we was we was located next to a parking lot, mm-hmm. and that brought a lot of traffic. And when they started developing. On um on that premise, this this is where I really needed a lawyer. Uh, one mm-hmm. of my mentors offered a lawyer, but it was a European lawyer, and he didn't believe in the company anyways. Because the way he managed that that um that approach, it was like, oh, all they could offer you was a a little like billboard on the side of the gate, mm-hmm. but they had both ends blocked, like walking to our store, so it stopped traffic completely. I would honestly say I should have fought a little harder. Instead of just taking like, okay, we have, we not going to renew our lease. Um, I'm just going to sh- close my store. And 
Yeah, I should have fought a little bit harder because for those developers to just come and shut down our business like that, I feel as though that wasn't right without no type of courtesy, just a little advertisement on the gate. Gotcha. Yeah, I that's, can ask from yeah. both ends. No, that's, yeah. that's the story. Yeah, that's something that you need to share because people don't even know what to look out for, what to do. So it's just like you write absolutely right about like it being just like learn it as you go. But now somebody else is going to be able to take that information like I should negotiate, I should have did this. So even though it wasn't a complete disaster, it's still something that, you know, somebody can learn from, especially when it and comes you to open brick and mortar. Your lawyer. Yep. Yep. Always, you could always change your lawyer. I wish I would have known that instead of just like, okay, well, you was referred by someone. And then you just literally was just like, oh, that's all that it could offer. It didn't fight for us. So mm-hmm. I should have like I should have been a little tougher with myself. Like, OK, find another lawyer that believes that you need to be, you you belong or you need funding to cover because they didn't help at all to cover overhead or anything for the months that they was operating. Gotcha. Perfect. Good to know. Okay, so the last segment is just called um, It's a Muse. Um, and it's a Muse is sponsored by uh, Chase Jackson Accounting. Do you need help with your business finances? If so, you can get it at Chase Jackson Accounting and Advisory. Chase Jackson is here to help with all your small business needs from business formation, accounting services, and taxes. Make sure you guys contact them via email at chasejacksonaccounting at gmail.com. Everything will be in the show notes. So um, just as we end out the podcast, I love for all the guests to just tell about something that inspires them, motivate them, whether it's something you read, a book, a meditation, um, a crystal, anything that you do just to keep your mental together, you know, as an entrepreneur and it's just this crazy world just to, you know, that keeps you going every day. Well, yeah, I meditate. I really do meditate. One, as an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to quiet your mind. Mm-hmm. And really, like, quiet your mind and strategize. Um, because you would get overwhelmed with all yeah. of the decisions. It's like every little decision is it's, it's based off of you. Every little decision is like a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. So that is fearful sometimes. Like, oh, did I make the right decision? Am I making the right decision? So I've been doing um, meditation uh, for probably, like, eight the same amount of time that I've been like in this industry like eight years like just meditation I've been practicing that um and I I do that just to keep me grounded just to keep me focused and sometimes I do it in between my working hours um just to give my time for my mental to chill so that is something that I that um that I practice and also try to teach our customers because the reason why it's a lifestyle is called that brand Fasone Vive is your whole way of being mm-hmm. like from meditation to healthy eating. Um, and if you feel good, you also will look good. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so meditation and anything like, podcasts like this inspires me you know black people inspires me mm-hmm. people that go at it every day even just my network of people I work with is just when they are energetic motivated it helps me it's like an energy exchange okay. so my team helps me you know they motivate me all the time I have to show up just for them you know I have to definitely show up and what else Oprah Oh, yeah, definitely Oprah. Yes, Oprah, Super Soul Conversation. That was like my, when Super Soul Conversation came out, that's when I knew I wasn't like a weirdo. I was like, oh, 
somebody out here in the world that's mm-hmm. on TV because I ain't watch Oprah before like that. Um, but my mom did, but I ain't really watch it like that. And when I started watching Super Soul Conversation, I was like, she understands what I'm talking about, like law of attraction, what you think, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, you project your day. You absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just ran, I'm sorry to cut. I just uh, found. I was looking at your IG and I was looking at your space. This is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Queen. Yeah, I just like I just followed you from my business page, from my LC page, and I just looked at the space, and this is beautiful. I absolutely. Yeah. So just um. Just people just vibrate me and, and keep me going. Um, and literally, since I know this is something that I want to do, if just like if you have a nine to five, this is my nine to five 24 seven. Mm-hmm. So I have to show up for myself and not just for myself, for just the journey. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to quit. It's like, no, nope, I already dig the hole, planted the seed. I got to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely right. I love it. Just looking at your space inspire me. I want something bigger now. You see, listen, we need your bag. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I was just like, this is beautiful. I want something bigger now. <laughs> but you know amazing. what? We are seeking funding. That's another thing too. I know every brand is seeking funding, mm-hmm. but our pitch is totally different. It's like, hey, for us to thrive, we need to buy from mm-hmm. these independent brands. Like, I don't like doing consignment. No. And a lot of brands don't like doing that either. Yeah. Like, yeah, even though we need to stock our shelves and that helps. That that really do help. I have some brands that will send us merchandise to stock our shelves. Once we sell it, we pay the invoice. It's called a net 30 and a net 60, 60 term. Gotcha. Big companies do it. Small companies, it's hard for them to actually do it. It's like, oh, I got to produce first and then see if it sells. Right. But big companies do that and then that's where brands need to understand too that's not something new we don't have to use a form consignment we could say net 30 right we have 30 days to pay our invoice yeah this helps me as a buyer instead of having lack of inventory to sell because we are the sellers right we sell we are not the makers we are not sitting there designing a tote we are not sitting there designing you know some candles or nothing mm-hmm. like we Take your product, and we're just selling it. Right. So sometimes, like, during this pandemic, yes, it is hard to stock our shelves with every brand that we want to stock our shelves with because there's so many dope black-owned brands. Right. So my pitch lately, not lately, all the time, give me funding so I can purchase it a black brand, and then they make their money, and then it's that circle again. It's that economic circle. You're absolutely right. We're going to get that funding. So thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure, pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. And as I always say, stay black, peace out. I'll make sure I put all of your information in the show notes so they can follow you, keep up with you, and we're going to get you some funding, sis. (laughs) Appreciate you, Queen. No This is an awesome podcast. Thank you. You have an amazing evening, love. You too. All right. Bye-bye.